Ashlyn George about four years ago and the conversation we had was completely mind-blowing. I've never forgot about it. And the her mind frame around money has completely changed the way even I think about money and the way I talk to my clients about money. Completely mind-blowing. So Ashlyn, after five years of university, two degrees, decided to plan a self-funded trip around the world, 60 countries, all seven continents with essentially no money. So completely mind-blowing. Um, some of her accomplishments, she's an award-winning travel writer, an on-camera personality, social media influencer, big time, um, the go-to travel and adventure expert in Saskatchewan. You've been featured on CTV, Global, CBC News, and several radio stations, um, as well has been featured as the New York Times 52 Places Traveler and named the top 10 travel hacker by Kayak, and I'm sure there's more to go on and on. Um, but just mind-blowing to me. So my first question to you would be, how did you get the courage to think it was even possible to travel for five years, self-funded, essentially with no money? I'm going to admit it, it was a little bit scary. It's always scary traveling to, to a new place by yourself and then to making sure that you're financially able to do it. Um, I've always been interested in money, how to use it, how to keep it, how to spend it. You know, if I earn it, where am I going to spend this money and be responsible with it? And after university, I had a job interview fall into my lap and I walked away hoping that I wouldn't get the job, which is a weird reaction. Yeah, yeah. Um, but thankfully, I didn't get the job, which encouraged me to travel. And I was very intentional with my trip. So my five-year travel plan kind of came in after I had finished my first six months abroad and I realized how much there was out in the world. So I had saved oh, so in school abroad. Uh, no, just, oh, just, just, travel. just yeah. traveling yeah. that six months just for, I guess, fun adventure yeah. learning. And, um, that's when I realized I wanted to make this a goal and something that was part of my life for a part, like a term of, in my life. And that first year I had saved up for it. And, and this is the budget that I stuck with the whole time, but I saved about $2,000 a month for six months plus my student loan payments right. on top of that. I couldn't travel until I had my student loan payments set aside in a different bank account. And once I realized that, that, I was, that I was capable to travel on a smaller budget, then I knew what my goal was that I needed to save for to continue traveling right. for another four years. Right. So it was very, I was very mindful about it. I tracked every penny along the way to make sure that every month I was hitting that budget. Sometimes that meant that you wouldn't eat out or you wouldn't travel the way you wanted to, but you made the choices to make it happen. And that went for being back in Canada when I was at home. I had to make specific choices around things I would be willing to do or not do because I knew what it would cost me in the long run in terms of travel. Yeah. So, but where did the courage come from? Like, how do you even decide that this is possible? You know, I look back and I try to think about... Because it's not normal. Most, most yeah. normal people, I'll just, right away, resistance, they're just like, well, that's not possible. I can't do that. Yes. So it, there's, uh, I commend you for it. And it's very brave. And uh, Thank you. It, it takes some sacrifice, right? You yeah. give up certain things. And whether that's just being away from home for a certain length of time, but you give up certain comfort 
So I don't go to the shopping mall like most people would do. Or if I do, I'm shopping in the clearance or the sales racks, right? right. Like I'm, I'm always looking for a deal or even just the other day, there was a sweater I really wanted. And this is, this is beyond my five years of travel. This is now just how I live my life. Right. But there was a sweater I really wanted and it was incredibly expensive and not something I would ever spend that much money on. And I was like, I'm going to think about it. I'm not buying it today. If I can wait for a sale and get it on sale, then I'll reconsider it. And I did find it. It was probably a month and a half later. It was 30% off. It was still more than I probably would have allocated in my budget for closing, but it was something even months later, I was still thinking about, still wanted. And so I bought it on sale. So that's just one really small example of things that I would do to make this work. And it's just, you make your choices too, right? Some people really want to buy a home and settle down in a house. I'm not a homeowner today, perhaps in the future, but you know, so I allocated funds towards traveling where somebody might've set that aside for a house or a new vehicle, things yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah. how does it work now? Like, how do you, you have this concept about saving for the next year. Tell us yes. about how that works. So this is, I think, I don't know if I've ever heard of anybody living kind of this way. But I have never in my entire <laughs> lifetime ever heard of someone come up with a concept or able to actually execute on it. Yes. Um, but I would say if any teenager could grasp the concept and live by it and begin that, it would, it's life changing. Yes. So what I do is I live a year ahead of myself. So everything that I earned in 2019, I'm living on today throughout this year. So I have a set finite budget that I can spend from now until December 31st. Mm, and then every penny that I earn today, I'm going to live on next year. So it's really cool in a way that you can forecast what your next year is going to be like. And then you can adjust if you know, oh, hey, I didn't make quite as much money as I normally do this year. I'm going to have to you know, tighten things up. Or maybe you can spend a little less this year to shift a little bit more money over to the next year. And that being said, it's not like I make more money and then I spend more money every month the next year. I actually still have a pretty set Mm. budget that I live off of. And then now all of my extra money goes in towards whether it's a TFSA or RSPs, however I choose to save my money for the future. So So how do you earn? Like what are... Did you mind sharing? How you <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Income? That's a big question I often yeah. get asked. So I am a travel writer and a content creator is usually how I state what I do for business. Um, and I have essentially four pillars to my business. So the first one is traditional travel writing. So you might pick up a magazine, see some a written story and photographs. Often that is probably about 20 to 25% of what I earn. And that means magazines, mm-hmm. blogs, mm-hmm. and sometimes sponsored posts on my own blog as well with clients who it's a really good fit. Um, I also earn money social media influencing. I'm not a big fan of that word. I usually call it content creation, Um, but that has become more and more lucrative over the last several Mm -hmm. years. So it comes about in sponsored posts, usually through my Instagram account. So big companies like McDonald's Canada, the Weather Network, Cliff Bar, Icebreaker, they reach out to me and they'd like me to create some very personal content because I'm obviously using or interested in their products to share to my audience. So that's another way that I make money. I do um, make money from conferences and speaking events. So sometimes I'm at I'm emceeing conferences. Right now I'm doing a series of seven conferences across Canada with Farm Credit Canada. And then sometimes I'm actually part of a conference. So I'm actually doing um, a youth conference up in Northwest Saskatchewan in a couple of weeks where I'm talking a little bit about my life history and I guess a little more of my non-traditional 
life right. path. Yeah. And then I also do video work. So sometimes it's strictly behind the video camera filming for somebody else, whether it's a commercial or a promotional reel. And then um, more often now it's in front of the camera as a personality. And I think um, one of the biggest projects I've done is one with tours in Saskatoon, mm -hmm. their flagship tours and video for 2020. It's following me around biking through the city in three different seasons. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a jack of all trades. Yeah, nothing that you can pre-plan though, right? I mean, all not of usually. that is... Um, is, is not plannable like you can't and that's that's why it's coming from that's why it was so important for me to have that buffer zone so mine's yeah. a 12-month buffer zone but I also have an emergency account in case something completely blows up on right. me and I need access to funds quickly for something that was completely unplanned and so you could probably say it's more than a 12-month living allowance right. and that being said I live on a fairly small budget as well so it's not a, have you shared what your annual budget is I live on about 20, between 24 and 28 thousand dollars a year. Yeah, wow. and I bumped it up to 28 thousand now just because I have some really big expenses like the registration on my vehicle. Right. I pay it all at once. That's you know it's 1,400 bucks. That's a huge chunk of change to take out in yeah. one month. So, but I yeah. find I can live fairly comfortably yeah. on 28 thousand yeah. dollars a year, and that gives me a little bit of room to buy some upgrade my tech equipment and, right. and then I have separate accounts for when I'm saving for special items as well oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. 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 little envelope <laughs> accounts uh, yes. segregated separated. yeah totally um how many days of the year would you say you're not at home do you know on yeah average? so we did the math for last year and I was on the road between 40 and 50 percent of the time yeah. which I guess is a lot, but it's still under 50%. It's yeah. just, it's a lot of packing and unpacking constantly. Yeah. You're home for a day or two and then you're gone again. So it's not big stretches of yeah. time where you're home. So that budgets all your flights, all your living, eating, everything while yes. at home and away. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And it's depending what I'm doing. So these seven conferences um, with this client, obviously they have given me like a travel per diem right. that I'm spending on it, but I'm still, it's not like I take the money that they're paying me and saying that offsets my flights. I still try to work it all into okay. my yep. budget. Yep. So there's like really clever hacks that I try to work around yeah. or I don't necessarily always stay at the hotel where the conference is because I'll Airbnb or there's cute yep. places that you can find outside of a traditional hotel that cost considerably right. yeah. less. And that's just where my interest is too. Yeah. I've seen a lot of hotels. I don't need to stay when there's other unique places right. around. So how do you, um, you find all your own locations? Cause you find, you come up with some pretty unique places to sleep and <laughs> things to do. Um, that's all your own research. Usually, oftentimes yeah. people recommend places to me and I am also lucky in being a travel writer. Oftentimes right. I will go on trips that are sponsored by the client. So they will mm -hmm. cover the flights, they will fly me right. in. There's also always the opportunity where I can stay a little bit longer. So if I know I'm there for four days of work, I can ask them if they can fly me back three days later yeah. and then I can have three days of traveling and adventure on my own. So how long do you think you'll do this type of work? I don't know. <laughs> It's to, to be honest, it is really exhausting. Um, there's a lot of behind the scenes that people don't right. see. There's the glamour of social yeah, media, yeah. and then there's the grinding it out for 16 hours a day, just trying to get, you know, reading through 20 page legal documents when you're signing a contract with somebody, making sure you right. understand it all. I do my own books, I file my own taxes, I don't have a bookkeeper mm -hmm. and an accountant to do it. I love that kind of stuff, and I like to make sure I'm aware of That's what's right. going on, but it does take time. Um, so I love this and it's, it changes every year. And as long as I feel inspired and happy, I will continue, continue. Yeah. to do this. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
Um, so tell me a bit about, I find that growing up, we, there isn't a lot of influence from school or from, you know, sometimes parents, but, um, tell me a bit about if you, do you live, would you say you live like how your parents taught you to live or do you live the opposite? I find a lot of times where we're either influenced to do the same thing or we just go straight opposite. So what would you say compared to your parents, if you're okay sharing that? Yeah, I would say it's probably fairly similar, although it's it's really funny. Sometimes my parents will make a purchase where I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But I also live on a different income than mm -hmm. they do. They're, you know, they're later on in their life and they have the freedom to yeah. do that with their money and everybody has different interests. And I'm not saying my parents make crazy purchases or anything, yeah. um, but they also, they realize where it's worth spending money for a little extra luxury or an experience. And I'm right. the same way as well. But yeah. um, my parents were never very extravagant. I have three older brothers, so there was four of us. And my dad's a farmer. My mom worked as a customer service representative at a bank mm -hmm. um, and then raised all of us. So, like, we weren't, it's not like we were poor or anything, but they were always mindful of the money and how much activities right. in high school would cost. Yeah. And I feel like I'm fairly similar to that now. Yeah. I'm probably a little bit some of that. more extreme in terms of my budgeting, but I feel like I've had to be to make my lifestyle work the yeah. way it has. And it, it has paid off because things are finally, I'm finally making a genuine living off of right. what I do. Yeah. And how many years has that taken? So this is my fifth year of business. And I would say my first two years were really like in December, I didn't know how I was going to pay for my nephew's Christmas gifts. I was right. really feeling the stress of it. And by year three, I finally made like a, a decent mm -hmm. normal income. And then year so why did you stick it out? Like what? Because most people would just give up and say, not I worth it. This. Yeah. I think is it, is it the desire more to travel or is it was it the, just an internal challenge you had with yourself? I think it's a bit of an internal challenge and it's the autonomy yeah. of what I do. Yeah. So I wake up every morning and don't set an alarm unless I have to be somewhere at a specific time. I set my meeting time so I can set them for 10 o'clock instead of eight in the morning. Right. I don't have to show up to an office. I can work remotely. I prefer to work at home. Um, but you know, I can take my laptop and I can work anywhere. Yeah. And I think that freedom and autonomy really attracts me. And then there's also kind of a, a secret thrill yeah. to it all mm -hmm. too. It's like, Oh, where is my next paycheck coming from? Yeah. I don't know. And it's part terrifying, part yeah, exciting. Yeah. And I think I have that type of personality that thrives on that. I'm also incredibly goal oriented everything in my life I do because I've set some sort of usually weird or unusual or kind of outrageous goal around mm -hmm. it. And then it's, you know, it's up to me to go after it and achieve it. Mm -hmm. And not that I wouldn't, like it was actually always on my bucket list to work an office job and get a dress really? up every day, go to the office. I wanted that experience. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's, that's, that's at the root of everything. What drives me is just experiencing as many things as I right. can. I wanted to work a night shift. I wanted to work in an office, you know? Um, and I still get aspects of not working in an office, but having that life where you can dress up every day. You don't have to work right. in, a, in a hoodie and leggings like I do some days. And yeah, it's just, it's a really cool challenge and to mm -hmm. see where I can take it. And then they always say with businesses, you know, you have most, I think, I shouldn't say this and I should double check it, but I think like 80% of all businesses don't make it to that five-year mm -hmm. mark. Right. Yeah. Oh, and yes, so sure. that was a personal goal was like, yeah. I can't give yeah. up until I make it through that fifth year. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would have been definitely easy to give up because, um, you know, going through what you did and making it is, is a challenge. So I find nowadays, you know, becoming a professional blogger or an influencer is such a, you know, this whole new demographic, that's what they want to do. So any advice? Do you recommend someone do it? <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> it's always great to have a backup. So at the end of the day, I always have my degrees. I'm a high school biology teacher, technically, yeah, although I've never, know that. yeah, although I've never stepped into an actual yeah. classroom in that capacity. Yeah. Um, it's good to have a reason and purpose why you're doing it. So for me, I didn't, I didn't start out all of this with the plan to be like, oh, I want to be, you know, a social media personality or influencer. I started doing, I started writing my blog because I just genuinely had a passion for it and wanted to share information with people to help them travel too. Mm -hmm. So that at the core of everything I do is my reason. And building out from that reason makes it easy to root myself and know where I came from and where I want to build up out from. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I never said I want to be known online. Right. I want to just share That's helpful, right. useful yeah. information with people. And it's, it's incredibly lucrative. You can make a ton of money off of it. I know, you know, people are six, seven figure businesses. Um, but I think it's good to know the behind the scenes of it all, yeah. that it's not always the glamour of yeah. the photo that gets produced That's at right. the end of it all. Yeah. There's a lot of business behind it, a lot of grinding, and a lot of no's. A lot of people yeah. telling you no, that they're not interested, it doesn't fit, it's not the right time, or just a straight up no without any answer. So you gotta be fairly resilient too. Yeah. Tell us more about that behind the scenes. Um, what it, like some of your toughest stories or biggest successes or like what does day-to-day -day look like? It varies a bit, but for the most part, if I picture myself, it's literally sitting in front of my laptop. Yeah. Usually with my cell phone in hand, my camera and hard drives nearby, all my memory yeah. cards, and then writing, editing, lots of responding to comments online. That right. takes up a huge amount of my time, but that's all a part of building that community. Right. Um, sometimes it gets very overwhelming and it goes in cycles too. So if I'm out working with a client for four days, it's not an eight hour day from nine to five. It's usually like you're on the that's road right. at six or seven and you don't shut it down until midnight or 1 a.m. And sometimes wow. you might be hanging out with people until midnight or 1 a.m. And then you still have all your work to do. So even this weekend, I was out working with a client and it was a really fun weekend, but it was very social in the evening. And I actually, everybody around me understood. I was like, I hope you guys don't mind. I'm going to sit at the table and hang out with you, but I'm actually going to be pulling yeah. up my photos on my laptop to get through them all yeah. because yeah. I have specific requirements in my contract that I need to meet right. and I need to be doing this right now. Was it the sledding trip that you it was, yes. Yeah. yeah. So everyone was playing, amazing. everyone was playing crib and poker and I was just sitting there on my computer, but I could still engage in the conversation because yeah. it didn't require like a lot of, it was just editing stuff. Yeah. So that's sometimes the reality of it. Um, and it's just another thing that's really difficult is because I'm capturing so much of it behind a camera lens, remembering to stop and actually have a real experience. So I am an adventurer first and a photographer mm -hmm. second. It is more important for me to be present somewhere and in a moment than it is for me to capture a photo of it. Of course, I try to balance it. That's uh, the opposite of what most people do. Like, yes. My night's not fun, but get me a nice photo of uh, yes. <laughs> me smiling and look like I'm Exactly. And that's the thing is you can set up a lot of photos and lots of photos that I do for clients. They are set up. I am taking the blanket and the twinkle lights and the right. gear out with me to make it look a certain way to have right. that aesthetic. And there isn't always an adventure behind it, but sometimes that's okay because 
the post isn't about the adventure in that instance, or I'm drawing on my past adventures right. to, to put it all together. But um, even, even when I go hiking, I have a couple girlfriends that we take a holiday once or twice a year and we'll do five to seven day backcountry hikes. And I don't want my need to capture content to affect their trip because this is their holiday. Right. And it's also my holiday too, but it can always be a story that can always be yeah, sold or yeah. posted about. And so I just clear it with them. I'm like, hey, I would really love to capture some photos. And I'll tell them each day I would love to, like, if I can just say, this is a beautiful moment, do you mind if we stop? Yeah. Ask them permission if we can stop for that moment, take 10 or 15 minutes to take photos. And then I always want to get photos of us as a group. Mm -hmm. And I take setup with a tripod too, right? right. I, don't, I don't always have a professional photographer yeah. coming along that with me. That was one of my other big questions is who takes all these photos? <laughs> Lots of times. And they're like, you must <laughs> have a drone. Uh, yeah, a bit of tech gear. Um, Lots of times it's just my tripod <laughs> set up really? and I'll carry two tripods one to set up where I'm going to be so I can set the focus on it. And then the other tripod with the camera and I use the intervalometer built into the camera that I have. Right. And then I do work with a photographer and filmmaker, Matt Scoble. He lives out in Canmore and we work on a lot of projects together. Mm -hmm. And so he will do some of my photography or if we're on another work contract with a client and I know I need some photos for a specific event in the future, I'll bring along the gear I need and, mm -hmm. and get him to so he travels too. with you a lot? Is that what you mean by... When we're working on projects yeah. together. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, and that's just come about in the last year or two. But yeah, I'd say a lot of it is just a tripod or whoever's with me. Sometimes wow. I drag my mom or my brother out. Yeah. And mom's really great. She's very helpful with it. And she understands yeah. what I'm doing. How does your equipment hold up in all this cold weather? And <laughs> Oh, it is <laughs> it challenging. Must have, must have, like it must have its own sleeping bag. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, it's very difficult in the wintertime to keep batteries alive. The specific camera model I have is notorious for not the best battery life. So I carry little hot mm, paws with yeah. me, try to keep things warmed up. I'll tuck batteries into my clothing, into my pockets yeah. to use my body warmth to keep it warm. That's one of the biggest challenges yeah. in winter time. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, tell me a bit about your method of budgeting. So is it pen and paper, computer, do you have apps? What do you, how do you budget? So now I've got it down pretty comfortably. <clears throat> I know what I'm spending and how I'm spending, so I don't have to monitor it as tightly. In the five years when I was traveling, and this is before smartphones are what they are today and before right. a lot of the apps were, or what they are now, um, I used an app on my iPod Touch, and it was an Apple app called iExpenseIt. And because I was taking so much money out at ATMs and money just disappears somewhere, you, you know, you right. don't track where you're spending it. I would manually enter every single thing I spent money on. And then it would create charts and graphs for me afterwards. So in each country, I could say, okay, I spent 27 days in Vietnam. I spent about $900 Canadian. And it breaks down to this percentage for accommodation, transportation, food, right. kind of toiletries, that kind of stuff. Um, when I'm back at home, I track it actually, I bank with um, RBC and they have an app worked into the banking. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's some sort of my finance, my finance tracker, I think. Mm -hmm. And so they pull in everything I'm spending on my credit cards and debit card. Right. And then I can go through, relabel everything to make right. sure it's in the right categories, take things out that I might be reimbursed for, for work. Right. And then I keep an eye every month on what I spend and how I spend it. Yeah. So it's it's down to science now. Um, and I can pretty much guess off the top of my head how much I spent in a month and go look at it and be pretty close. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So have you ever had a time when, we all have times in our lives when something hits us financially that we haven't planned for, can't plan for. Would you say there's 
some big time in your life that that's happened and how, how did you deal with it? Did it set you back? Um, I've had a few times, it's usually related to tech equipment failing yeah. when yeah. you don't expect it. Um, this one was actually really stressful. So I had recently bought a shoot on Sony and this was, this is now like back in 2016, but, um, I had recently bought a new Sony camera. It was three or four months old and I was in Turkey about to get on a small boat for two weeks to film, mm. um, some promo videos for them. And I was out taking photos and my shutter stuck shut on it. So that meant my camera was essentially a brick and I could do nothing oh. with it. It was completely inoperable. And you're on a boat. About to be on a boat. And I didn't have a backup camera with me. And so I was like, okay, I need to figure this out. I need to find a camera. It's actually a really dramatic and quite a long story, but I'll kind of give you the Coles notes of it. So um, I was in a place called Cappadocia in Turkey and there was no camera store to go get a new camera, but I was flying through Istanbul before I was flying down to the port where I was leaving on this boat. So somebody, uh, one of the people at the hotel where I was staying had a friend in Istanbul. If I bought a camera at a camera store in Istanbul, he would deliver it to the airport on my layover. And then I would give him some money like to thank yeah. him for his time and effort so i was like okay this is perfect i will buy a second sony out of um, istanbul the major city in turkey where they do have these things and then he'll deliver it and it should be no problem so i'm actually traveling with my mom and my brother at this point because it was part of a personal family holiday before work started plus my mom was my plus one so i leave the secure area in the airport to go out and meet this guy i don't know what he looks like i don't know who he is and i'm using my sim card i have a turkish sim card to like message back and forth and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and the guy keeps saying he's like he's not too far away he's only a few minutes he's like coming around the corner and I'm like I'm standing at like the departures area and I do not see you anywhere mm -hmm. and eventually it was cutting it so close to missing my flight that I just had to turn around and go back into the airport try and get through security sprint and hopefully make the airplane right. and my my brother and my mom literally like told the airplane like she's <laughs> on her way just wait hoping I was on my way right. so I didn't get this camera that I had bought with my credit card. Um, so panicking a little bit, I'm 24 hour, or 48 hours out from getting on this boat. I get to this city and I'm just in problem solving mode. I need a camera. And although the city I flew into, it's a tourist area. Again, it doesn't have the gear that I need. So I hire a driver to drive me to another city four hours away. And although it has a population of a million people, it only has one camera store. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like a department store. So it's just like the camera so section. Yes. Um, so I'll hire this driver. My mom and brother come along with me, it kind of throws our plans into a mess. And we go to this camera store. And the only camera that I can find is an older model, different brand that is twice as expensive as it would be if I had bought it in Canada. And before I actually bought a second camera, I did all the problem solving I could. I called Sony, I looked at my warranty. The only thing they could do was ship it to neighboring countries or ship it to Canada. So I ended up spending double the amount on a camera that was not as good a quality as the one that I was supposed to have. And I had different lenses and it worked out. It wasn't ideal and it was more expensive than I ever wanted it to be. And I knew even if I got home and resold it, that I would never make back even half the money that I spent on it. Yeah. So I ended up keeping the camera for a few years um, and then finally actually just sold it.
Okay, so continuing on with our conversation with Ashlyn George. Um, okay, so Ashlyn, tell me on average, how many times a day you would think about money when you're just out traveling, doing whatever you're doing, how many times a day would you think about money? I feel like all the time. Um, it's something that's always in the back of my mind. I, I want to say I'd probably signed into my online banking maybe once a day. Yeah. It's a little bit less now that things are a little more comfortable and, and it's kind of flowing in a rhythm. But I, I enjoy going on, seeing it, how I can manage it, what I can do with it, where I can pull more money and savings from. Like it's kind of not a game for me, but yeah. it's something I genuinely enjoy doing. And I'm always thinking about money. So even if I... I would probably wouldn't buy anything from a convenience store anyway, because it's more expensive than if you just bought it from a grocery store. But let's say I'm going to buy a chocolate bar and while I'm grocery shopping, my way, the way I think about money too, is I'm not just going to go get whatever chocolate bar I want. I like pretty much any bar though. So that works, <laughs> but I will look and say, okay, here's the wall of chocolate bars which ones are on sale right. and then which ones of the sale chocolate bars do I like the best? Right. And I'm probably going to be really happy with that choice anyway. Um, so I'm always viewing purchases that way. Right. It's how I can find savings. Anytime I'm out shopping, can I sign up for their email to get a 10 to 15% discount? So right. it's all the time. <laughs> so you would say that because of what you're trying to accomplish makes you think this way would you say because I think that mentality if I want to call it a mentality because mm -hmm. I think very similar but I think it's for a different reason um would you say that it's more goal oriented on why yes I would say that and I also realize that the amount of money we will ever make in our life is capped at some limit we don't always know that limit you can guess roughly mm -hmm. how much money you will make based on you know the education you have where you live all yeah. those things and knowing mm -hmm. that I'm like okay what's this most strategic and smartest way I can spend my money without like I don't limit myself and not let myself no, do things it. and yeah and I watch a lot of people how they spend money and it kind of shocks me mm. like why would you spend it like that why does it not matter and yeah. if you're making so much that it doesn't matter that's one thing but I don't think that's standard for that's everybody right. and so I've never been in a lineup with a friend and said let's use a coupon and they said no right right they might not go find that coupon or they might make fun of me yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I've got my purse full of little deals and sales um but it's just it's smart why would yeah. you ever spend more than you need to yeah. if you don't have to yeah. yeah i think very similar to you i mean every time either the the light switch on my kid's bedroom room when no one's in there whether it's on or off i'm like when it's on we're wasting money and i i literally can't everything i look at is associated to money every decision i make along the way what i'm driving to work in what route I took because it's shorter or longer, yes. how long I let it warm up in the morning, yep. um, how much gas I burn. Yep. And it's not that I think I obsess about it. It's a bit of a game for me and it's a wasteful thing. It's like, yep. why would you purposely waste money or resources if you don't have to? Yep. Um, um, I'm not sure what I'm trying to accomplish by it. I'm more, I think, of a I don't want to run out of it, destitute type of approach, which I think a lot of people get to as well. Yeah. Less maybe goal focused. Um, yeah. So tell me, you told me a story about gas when we first <laughs> met and how you budget around it and what you did. So tell me that story again. Um, again, it, it was it, again mind blowing to me. And things have and changed now too. Um, but while I was saving for travel, for me, I had set a budget of one tank of gas a month 
which doesn't sound like much at all, especially depending how much you have to commute. Um, So I had one tank of gas and if I used it up, then I had to figure out other ways to get around. So I actually did bike to work most days. If it was raining really hard in the morning, it wouldn't. Um, I will run. I've, I've been known to meet people for coffee and I'll run there and it could be a seven kilometer run there and a seven kilometer run back, but it's a way of putting my workout into it too. So it was just, yes, this is how much fuel I get a month. And I have to stick within that budget. I'm surprised you own a car, actually. Actually, financially, I've looked at the insane expense that a vehicle is worth and broken it down. And I do need it because my work takes me outside of the city so much. But if you you live within the city and you don't leave the city very often, it is financially 100% makes more sense to get a bus pass Mm -hmm. than it does to own a vehicle. Yeah. It is shocking the amount of money. <clears throat> Wouldn't you say there's more, we're, we're more worried about what everyone else is thinking, whether I'm getting on the bus to get to work today. As a financial planner in the yep. industry, if I was to get on a bus to get to work, I think I would be criticized for it Completely. and judged. And yep. it's it's too bad that that's how the world has to be. Yep. Um, I take the bus home from the airport because it costs me $3. It costs yeah. me $35 to take a taxi. Yeah. I'm cool with the bus. Don't put that thought in my head, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And even with my vehicles, I do my own mechanical work and I have what? literally saved that. I've, these are what? stories in itself as well, but um, the alternator in my car went, I managed to get it home. And so I got to Canadian Tire, bought an alternator and like I literally sat in the parking lot of my building oh my replacing the alternator. And even just a year ago now, um, I had bought a new to me vehicle and which had like a very... Um, unusual thing happened to it. It's not something that commonly happens. And it would have probably cost me about $4,000 to take it into a mechanic shop to get it fixed. Mm-hmm. And I did all the fixes myself for $1,000. It literally wow. required like shipping pieces to the United States and shipping them back and in minus 40 sitting in the weather with tools and like headlamp on to fix everything. But then I also came out of it much more knowledgeable about yeah. my vehicle, felt really accomplished and saved myself three grand because I did that. My dad is also a farmer and I could call him for help and advice, but it, it, I did the work. Like it was literally wow. me out there doing it. I watched all the YouTube videos and yeah, <laughs> figured it out. Amazing. But yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. That would have been another financial thing that I wouldn't have been able to afford, but managed to right. fix it on right. my own. Well, probably could afford, but then it's taking away from something else. Right? Yes. Yeah. Cutting into that very specific yearly budget. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next for you? Um, more travel and trips. Um, the beginning of this year has been really, really good for my business. Um, and I'm on the road almost nonstop. I'm actually leaving this afternoon to go to Canmore, but I'm on the road nonstop until about April. Lots of trips around Canada, out to the East Coast, Quebec, a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just growing my business some more. And we were talking about how I'm dependent on other people for money and contracts that come in that way and you don't always know where it's coming from. So I'm looking a little bit more this year to expand maybe more into affiliate linking. We're recommending products and you make a little bit of income off of that or Mm. running trips abroad with people because I know there's a lot of interest from people who want to travel to certain locations of the world but don't feel comfortable doing it themselves. Oh, that's interesting. So that's, yeah, something in the back of my mind. I'd hire you as a companion to come with me because I don't want to have to think about it or... Or just a group setting yeah there could be eight to twelve of us and we might go to morocco or india or something like that so nothing official yet but just uh working on plans yeah well thank you very much um this has been amazing and i really appreciate you uh, talking with us today and really trying to motivate us to 
make the decisions based on you know your goals and really what you want to try to accomplish and um, to not have money be the the detriment to being able to travel the world if that's what you really want to do and absolutely so I, I hope we've inspired some some people young and old because it's you're never too young to to live your dreams and do what you want to do and i think there really is a way to do it and accomplish it and not have money be that game stopper yep. because it, it's it's completely possible if you just put your mind to it and get creative and that's Absolutely. exactly what you've done is just yeah and do what fits out. for your lifestyle and what you're willing yeah. to do yeah well thank that's you very much for having you. me i appreciate it